0: The Mini Show featuring Lenny is presented for the people by Caesar Sportsbook. You bet you get with Caesar Rewards. Must be 21 or older. Welcome back to the Mini Show featuring Lenny. Only NFL podcast, one of the hosts thinks a drag route, swing, pulls his mom on his leash. That's Lenny. Mini Climbs. Football's back. I'm so happy. Actual games to discuss. I did talk about a game on Monday. I actually want to hit that briefly, but first, my illustrious guest this week, you know him if you've been listening to this podcast for a while, Uh, he is of multiple places, he has some pieces in the FTN almanac, which I have been advertising on this show, you guys should definitely check that out, he is writing for Bleacher Report, he recently started doing work with the 33rd team, he is everywhere, Derek Klassen, welcome back to the show,
1: I feel great to be back, especially week one. I got to say, of all of the Lenny jokes that I've gotten at the beginning, I think that one is actually my favorite because I have a dog that is about Lenny's size who does the same exact thing. So uh, I, I can I can relate to that one pretty good. It,
0: it's really undignified when an 18-pound dog drags you, <laughs> I have to say. Yes. <laughs> uh, Lenny definitely has that dog in him. Uh, okay, so a little bit of housekeeping. Every week, as always previewing a a bunch of games i will choose four to six games that i'm excited about Uh, and then little thing i'm trying this year so my family has a pick'em league Uh, it's a big deal there's actually a plaque in my parents house that the winners they get their name on Mm -hmm. that's the only prize you get your name on the plaque but uh you know it's a big deal two-time winner no big deal uh so at the very end after we talk break down the game's uh, I'm, I, I'm debuting a new segment called my guest helps me make my picks. It's not, uh, against the spread or anything like that. It's just straight up. I just want help making my picks every week. So in a way we will be talking about every game. Uh, we'll run through those very quickly after we go through more of the games in depth. I also wanted to thank everyone who filled out the podcast survey, uh, which is basically what gave me the idea actually to do the picks because I just want to hit all the games. You guys are awesome. Um, and I wanted to throw out one more thing. I haven't uh, put out a request for ratings or reviews in a while. So I was walking around my office, Derek, and I'm not going to actually bend over and get it. I realize I'm on video. Uh, I noticed I still have a stack of limited edition Mina Kaim show featuring Lenny hats. I don't think you have one. They're very hard to get your hands on. I would love one, though. They're not for sale. Well, great news is you have a chance to get one. If you leave a review, reply to my tweet for this episode, with a screenshot of your review, I will choose two people. So, and it probably, I don't know how many people live in reviews, uh, to reach out to and send hats. So we'll give So Derek, you. I don't know if you ever reviewed the podcast. But you should probably leave a review.
1: I have not yet. So, <laughs> see, I I was biding my time for the perfect opportunity, and now this is the opportunity to get the coolest hat I would have in my collection. So it's, it's, it's pretty good. I hat. pull that out at the golf course one time, and everyone's gonna, you know, I, go I'm crazy. gonna be the king
0: there. People will crazy. People go crazy. <laughs> um, yeah. So uh, the games we're gonna talk about a bunch of games. Uh, I did do Chiefs Lions Lions Chiefs rather on Monday. If you guys missed that, Dominique and I talked about it in depth, um, and we talked a lot about. Chris Jones missing the game. We did not talk about the possibility of Travis Kelsey missing the game. So before we get to this week's games, I do want to hit that quickly with you because it is massive. And maybe the game will have already happened by the time you guys have listened to this, if you listen to it on Fridays. Um, but yeah, it feels like God heard us all summer saying the chiefs are an unstoppable dynasty and there's nothing anyone can do about it and said, what if I took away the second and third most important players on this football team. Now, as of this recording on Wednesday, uh, Kelsey is questionable. I don't think Jones plays, but let's just live in a world for a second where he doesn't where Travis Kelsey doesn't play. Um, I think the reason this is so concerned that would be concerning to me from a chief's perspective is there's obviously a zillion reasons, but I'll start with this. The fact that it happened this week. So it's not like, Jones, you know, where they like Steve Spagnuolo has been in his lab thinking about Chris Jones not playing uh, for quite some time now. So much of what the Chiefs offense does is based on having Travis Kelsey on the football field. So many of the reasons why it's difficult to defend them, you know, uh, much is talked about the connection with Mahomes when the play breaks down. He's the guy who Mahomes always goes to. He finds he's so good at the red zone, all of that. But I think two things that would concern me as a Chiefs fan, and I want to hear your thoughts on this, Derek. Um, One, I I am curious. Now you've taken out, if you take, again, maybe Kelsey plays. But if you take out Kelsey, you're already down Jody Fortson. This is a team that, of course, used a ton of 12 and 13 personnel last year. So I don't know what the plan is in terms of their tight end usage. I have to think they're probably going to go with a little bit more three wide receiver in this game. I'd be curious to see how that affects the run game, which is something that earlier this week I talked about uh, being important versus Detroit because that I perceive to be their weakness. Travis Kelsey's is a good blocker. Jody Fortson was a good blocker. Uh, the two backup tight ends, you know, it, I don't know. That definitely affects what they do. And then the other thing that's specific to this matchup is uh, Detroit plays a ton of man coverage, second most in the NFL last season. Um, It is a signature of their defensive coordinator, Aaron Glenn. I expect them to play a fair amount of man in this game. I expect them to play it much more confidently without Travis Kelsey on the field because he is the chief's go-to weapon against man coverage for all of the obvious reasons. He is a mismatch guy. He, um, last year, actually when, the Chiefs did play man coverage. He was targeted on 30% of his routes. No other receiver came close. Uh, the next closest receiver in terms of targets was Juju, and it was like 20 fewer targets, and Juju's no longer on this football team. So uh, matchup-wise, if I'm Aaron Glenn, I mean, it's funny, at the beginning of this week, I was like, man, if I'm Jared Goff, I'm just waking up like, I'm blessed. Now if I'm Aaron Glenn, I'm waking up, and I'm feeling pretty good if Travis Kelsey isn't playing.
1: I'm glad you brought up Juju because that to me is kind of the biggest point here is like in previous years there was always somebody else other than Travis Kelsey that you could trust to some degree like obviously for a long time it was Tyreek Hill they always had you know they could go down the field but even last year Juju's not like a real number one receiver but we know what he is and he's like a reliable you can get him you know within one to ten yards he's really tough he can block all that stuff Um, he can get you some yards after the catch not like explosive but like if you throw it to him two yards short of the six, he's going to get to the six. Like, he's going to find a way to move. Um, and I think, like, that type of stuff is important. Like, so Patrick Mahomes would have had somebody he could trust. I don't know who you trust in this receiver court at, at this point. Like, I don't think we saw very much from Sky Moore last year. Kadarius Toney is, like, really cool for seven snaps a game, but, like, not really reliable in any type of way. Marquez Valdez-Scantling is awesome when he's your number three and is only running down the field not as cool when maybe he's your best receiver on the field at this point. Um, and then like, I really like Rasheed Rice, but he's probably just like a worse unproven version of Juju at this point, which like, so that's kind of the problem to me is like, I really trust Patrick Mahomes to figure this out with anybody, especially if you're giving him a bunch of man coverage and you're kind of telling him like, Hey, you know what you're getting here? Like, you know, I, I kind of trust yeah. that Patrick Mahomes is going to find a way to just kind of put the ball in a keyhole and gives guy his guy's chances. But I just don't know who is supposed to make place for this team outside of Patrick Mahomes himself.
0: I think like, again, we're assuming that they do play a fair amount of me. Man- I would be very shocked if they don't because
1: I'd be w- stunned if they didn't. Yeah.
0: Yeah. It's not only is it their identity, like this is not a team that's going to sit back and try to too high the chiefs because they can't stop the run. So <laughs> it's not happening. And if they do that, the chiefs will just run the ball. Um, I think his, his, this is gonna sound so dorky, but I think Mahomes' best weapon is then scheme, because uh, Andy Reid is so good at th- finding ways to beat man coverage, and that's where Tony being actually available for this game and hopefully playing a fair amount, uh, I think, becomes significant because he is the one guy on this roster with special movement skills. Who you know, it, obviously, a lot of that is like schemed up stuff in the backfield, the jet motions we saw on the Super Bowl, all of that. Andy's going to have to go deep in the bag. And I think, Tony, I wouldn't be surprised if he suddenly becomes a little bit more of a focal point on this offense. So, man, this game just got a lot more. It was already like it was the Jones thing. It made it more interesting. This made it more interesting. Uh, I have been in agony about the possibility of picking against Mahomes. I don't think I'm going to do it <laughs> anyways. Uh, too much of a coward. But yeah, Kelsey thinks a big deal. Jones thinks a huge... I think the Jones thing is a bigger deal, but it's they're both very, very, very tremendous absences. Um, yeah.
1: The last thing I actually want to say too, I, I kind of wonder if this is a big Justin Watson game just because mm. he is the closest approximation they have to like another tight end body. And he can block, and like he's not Travis Kelsey, but in terms of like stretching the field horizontally, he kind of does the same thing. So I kind of wonder if this, if that's kind of Andy yeah. Reid's no, you're right, band aid fix to to retooling the offense. It's
0: a great point. I have been assuming Watson and Rice were like four and five on the depth chart, and we wouldn't see them a lot. But again. Desperate times call for uh, desperate measures, surprising. You know, Andy Reid has been known to choose a surprising player to highlight, and that's a great point about Watson and his skill set. Okay, um, we got a lot more clarity on other stuff this weekend, which which is great. Uh, I guess we should, let's start with the Niners and the Steelers, because the big news today uh, is that Nick Bosa is going to stay a San Francisco 49er. Pull that up. Sign. I don't, we don't need to get into the contract or anything. It's a lot, <laughs> thirty four or something like that million. You know, biggest ever. Uh, it, it actually seemed like it was potentially in doubt whether he was going to play in this week one game against Pittsburgh. And I actually that was I I, I hadn't decided whether it swung the game for me, but. I thought his absence would be massive. Even with the talent that the Niners have on the defensive line, it's so concentrated on the interior with Hargrave and Armstead without Bosa. A- absent him, you know, edge rush, you're looking at Drake Jackson, Cleveland Furrell, Kerry Hyder, And against Pittsburgh in particular, where I think they've done really great work to shore up the interior of the offensive line, but tackles still a little bit of a, a question mark. I was like, damn, that is a, that's the biggest break they could have caught. Well, they didn't catch it. Nick Bosa is playing. <laughs> so, uh, you know, I anticipate that the Niners defense, which I, I was like, oh, maybe Wilkes will blitz more. And I, I, I think they're just going to play their style with Nick Bosa back in the mix, which, um, you know, is appropriate against this Steelers passing attack because you don't want to leave your corners on an island against these two wide receivers. Um, let's start there. Like, so Nick Bosa's in the field. We know that. It's great for San Francisco. Do you think this Pittsburgh offense that I have been advertising as the greatest show on turf all offseason will be able to move the ball against, you know, one of the best one of the best two or three defenses in the NFL?
1: I'm not all the way there yet with Pittsburgh. They're they're kind of a team where I want to see it a little bit, but I think specifically in this matchup, if if we assume some of the things that made San Francisco's defense great last year hold up because to me, the thing with Kenny Pickett is like he's really good at two things. He's really good at throwing like one to five yard quick game. Like as soon as his back foot hits the top of his drop, falls out. He's really, really good at that. He's also really good at, he can kind of just chuck up a deep ball. He knows how to throw a 50, 50 George Pickens is going to go find it. He's really awesome at those stuff. And he can create a little bit outside the pocket. Of course he can run. The problem is I think two out of three of those things are taken away By how great the 49ers are at rallying to the ball. Like under D'Amico Ryans, there was no defense that would just, if you threw it within five yards of the line of scrimmage or if you ran with the quarterback, they're going to hunt you down real fast. There's going to be four or five of them there faster than you can blink. Um, And I think that's really important uh, against this team specifically. So, I mean, there's a world I think where Pickens catches, you know, two or three of those balls and does something crazy and like, Maybe Pat Fryermuth, it, you know, they can they can put some stuff in the red zone where he can be a problem, because I think that's actually he's really, really valuable in the red zone. He's he, he's already, I think, one of the best like contested catch tight ends, um, like in that particular aspect. So I think if they can kind of win that way and maybe do a little bit of bully ball down the field or win vertically with their receivers, maybe. But I just think all the stuff that San Francisco, yeah. San Francisco is going to kind of be able to take away in terms of the short stay on schedule type stuff. I think that's going to be a problem. I think you're going to get Purdy into some tricky down in distances and then you're flipping, or not Purdy, it. <laughs> then you're kind of flipping the coin of like, yeah, a little bit of a... <laughs> we'll They're the same to me. Yeah, um, but you're going to get him into some tricky down in distances well, and I'm not all the way there on him being a guy who handles that all a, that well.
0: It's a funny slip though because the like whenever I think about the San Francisco defense and how balanced they are, how talented they are, how good they are at tally, tackling, rallying to the football, how um, good they are the, the, in coverage in the middle of the field and all that stuff. I and mean, you the, the best linebacker on earth. Um, and then, of course, the four-man rush with Bosa back in the mix. The offense that's best suited to play them is the San Francisco 49ers. <laughs> like, uh, yes. you no, know, in the <laughs> past – the offenses that they have had at times struggled with have been ones where you either... I, I, at times, I think they have struggled against very mobile quarterbacks. Uh, and I say very mobile because I pick it is mobile, but he is not Jalen Hurts, right? Or anything like that. Or, speaking of Hurts, offenses that can really option them into bad situations. Um, or, yeah, I think about the Chiefs game last year where the Chiefs used um, jet sweeps against them with devastating effect... You remember that game? They, they had they they went to town on them, and um, uh, they it felt like every
1: red zone play was just
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, basically um, taking Nick Bosa out of the game as best they can. Um, you, the option stuff you saw the linebackers struggled with the Eagles RPO game. Whatever point is, you have to be a very creative uh, football team offense. With a diverse run game and an option game, and that's just not Pittsburgh. I think, and I say that as someone who thinks the Pittsburgh offense is going to be good this year. I've been saying it all off season. Like I, I, I like what I've seen from Pickett. I think the offensive line is going to be better. I love this wide receiver group. I love Pat Fryermuth, but I don't know if Matt Canada has the creativity to come up with the correct game plan to play this defense at full power, which is what it's going to be. If they didn't have Bosa, I would be like, oh, you know, I actually feel pretty good about it. Um, But I do expect them to attack the outsides a lot. That is where San Francisco has some vulnerability. And like, uh, you know, whoever, I, I guess probably Ward will be on. Well, I don't know if they'll play sides or, I mean, they usually play sides, but I'll be curious to see. Whether he's on, I guess probably he'll be on Pickens, So you'd get Johnson against Lenoir. That would be the matchup you'd want to go to if you're Pittsburgh. Um, it's a very, I, my Pittsburgh could have a top 10 offense take, might look bad after week one against San Francisco. I guess they'll just start by saying that. Um, obviously, I would love to be wrong. Um, well, and then on this side of the ball, Like, okay, again, I said Pittsburgh can have a top 10 offense. I also think they can have a top 10 defense. I absolutely love this pass rush. Do you think that they can give Brock Purdy problems? Do you think that they can um, handle the San Francisco run game? Do you think that they can, I don't know, um, stop Christian McCaffrey from doing all the things he did in second half last year?
1: I feel like the whole game comes down to Pittsburgh's front versus what San Francisco's offense is going to do. Like, I think there's so many different angles here. The one that interests me the most is Pittsburgh. Their pass rush is really good on its own. I think it's particularly good against Purdy because they're a really good pressure package team. And to me, when I watched Purdy last year, a lot of his biggest problems were pre-snap. He just does not see pressure. Like I remember in the Seahawks game, they caught him a couple times with like weak side pressures. There were a couple of games where they were catching with pressures and like, it's obviously hard to pressure the Niners in general because the offense is so well constructed. But if you can catch them, I think Purdy is just not a quarterback who is very well equipped for that right now. And maybe that changes with another year in the system and stuff. Yeah. But that was kind of the biggest problem to me in his game. And I think Pittsburgh is going to be really, really good and and get after him in that sense. So I think that's huge. In terms of the run game, I actually kind of think they can contend with this this Niners offense for a couple of reasons. One, Keanu Benton, man, he is good. I, I really liked him coming out of Wisconsin, but I swear every time I was watching him in the preseason, I was like, this dude is a car bomb in the middle of the defense. So I'm a big fan of him. And I think like outside of Cam Hayward, they didn't really have anybody in the middle last year. So I think getting him is huge. The other thing to me is like, whatever we want to say about these linebackers in coverage and Shanahan is going to put them under the microscope. He's going to get him a couple of times. It's going to happen. Those dudes are really, really good run defenders. And Landon Roberts I, is yeah. a little missile and Cole Holcomb is like a really good, solid, um, just a smart player. He's a really, really good tackler and he'll, he'll hit like he'll take on blocks and he'll, condense space in the run game, which I think against San Francisco, that's really important because like the thing that McCaffrey does well is like, if there's a little bit of space, he's going to find it and and squeeze through it. If you can condense all that and really clog things up and not give him that, I I think they actually kind of have a shot to, to keep this 49ers run game down and really put the game on Purdy. which again, I said, if they can get him into some third and sevens and bring some pressures, I don't know. It's all about
0: getting the third down, right? This is an offense that was Mm 1st in DVOA on 1st down, 4th on 2nd down, 22nd on 3rd down, for all of the obvious reasons. Um, I am concerned about the linebacker group. I know you just highlighted their run defense, and they are better in run defense than their predecessors last season but they, I do not think they are very good in coverage, and I do not think this is an offense you want to play if you're linebacker. So I, yeah, if San Francisco runs the ball a lot on first and second down, and I think they've got a shot, and then if they can get into third down, I absolutely I love this pass rush. My concern is what happens on first down when everything is on the table for Kyle Shanahan. But uh, you know, the, the other thing, like I, I, I think with Purdy. You talked about the pressures. I think this could be a game where uh, Minka Fitzpatrick is a difference maker because of. I mean, he's one of the best safeties in football. He's so good at fooling quarterbacks post snap, and I do think there's a bit of a vulnerability there, Purdy. But again, it's it's all situational. Like he had, like Kyle's going to protect him as much as possible to you know keep him. I don't think he's going to be attacking the deep middle of the field very much, uh, if possible. But I also think that there's, you know, you could see him trying to make plays outside of structure and loading a little bit too much dip on his chip against this, uh, Steelers defense and particularly Fitzpatrick. But, uh, yeah, I, 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 I it's a good test for him. I do think that it's going to be very good defense. I do think that they have some pretty significant strengths um, that will help with this matchup. But I, I am worried about again, like just that part t- continued weakness at linebacker against this offense.
1: Yeah. And it's not like they have the guys at corner to kind of just, yeah. you know, maybe bully the receivers a little bit and keep them down. I mean, like, You have ancient Patrick Peterson and like Levi Wallace is maybe like it just. I mean, I loved Levi Wallace dearly, but when Brandon Ayuk and Devo Samuel are the guys you're going against, I don't know. So yeah,
0: all right. Let's stay in the AFC North and talk about Bengals Browns. Um, Some key updates with this one. It looks like Denzel Ward is going to play on Cleveland's side. That was one that I was a little bit apprehensive of, obviously, particularly against this Bengals passing attack. It matters a lot. Uh, Joe Burrow is playing, as of this recording, no contract. I don't think... I don't really know what's going on there. Probably by the time you listen to this, it'll be a contract. I don't know. Uh, But I want to start with Burrow, because he is playing. We don't know what his mobility looks like. That matters. Um, Joe Burrow is... Extremely adept at dicing up defenses from the pocket, playing within rhythm. His time to throw last year was outrageously low, but it's when he breaks contain that magic happens in this offense. Um, when he was on the run, which NGS classifies as eight miles per an hour or more. He was first in CP- er, CPR, I was gonna- <laughs> first in QBR And first in completion percentage over, his completion percentage over expected on the run is massive. Uh, He is also uh, obviously it matters a lot for his mobility within the pocket is evading pressure is one of his superpowers. And then, of course, his scrambling, because, um, you know, while he is not a prolific scrambler, he is a very effective one top 10 and EPA per play and everything like that. You know, how often have we seen a defense turn their back on Joe Burrow and get punished for it? So I am very interested in saying what, how comfortable he looks moving around back there with the calf strain that he's recovering from, particularly of course against a Cleveland Browns defensive front that we all expect to be improved.
1: Yeah, that's, that is kind of where I was going to go is, uh, this Cleveland pass rush, I think, is going to be able to get after it. Obviously, I mean Miles Garrett to me is still the best pass rusher in the league. Like Micah Parsons is incredible, Nick Bose is incredible. Just there's not a physical presence like Michael or like Miles Garrett to me. So he's still the guy. Um and then it's the Darius Smith, I, I still think has something to tank. You have Shelby Harris on the inside now, which I think is huge. Um, Jok like as a blitzer is just about as quick as it gets. So Like if they if they want to send him a little bit, I mean Jim Schwartz is not huge on that. But like if they do, if they feel a little spicy, um, they could. But. The other thing is like, it's not just that Cleveland's pass rush, I think is better. It's that I'm not all that convinced that the Bengals offensive line is that much better. Like I know they brought in Orlando Brown. Mm. And I think he makes a lot of sense for what they want to do on the ground in terms of, you know, maybe getting into being able to diversify the run game a little bit more, kind of like the Chiefs did when they had Orlando Brown but Orlando Brown is like an average pass protector at best, maybe like he gets cooked a lot around the edge. And I think when you have a guy like Miles Garrett, who is get, potentially going to get a lot of reps against him, I'm pretty worried about that not really being all that different from what it um, was, you know, than it may, might've been last year. So I think especially if Joe Burrow can't move, that's going to be a huge problem. The other thing I would add about Burrow is like, quietly he's not been that good at the beginning of seasons Mm. even in like 2021 he had a lot of really weird games like the Bears game I think he threw a bunch of uh, just horrible interceptions like he didn't it kind of just looked like he needed some reps to get ready obviously that was the year before he had been coming off injury all that stuff Um, and then even last year it kind of took them five six weeks for the Bengals to really find a true offensive identity and obviously you know Burrow was still trying to do a lot of the throwing deep and all that stuff. And then finally he realized like, all right, I got to start checking it down. But I think we have two seasons in a row now where Burrow has not played his best ball in the beginning, kind of needs to ramp up a little bit, which there's nothing wrong with that. He's the top three, top five quarterback by the end of the season every time. So it doesn't matter. But I just think when you combine that with a potentially really good pass rush, this game might get a little muddy.
0: Well, that's another thing I want to see actually is – who does he check it down to and what does it look like? Because, uh, no hidden hurst. Yes, you alluded to something which is in the second half of the season, and I talked about this a lot on the show. Is when he starts, you know, he, he in the beginning of the season, he talked, he had a lot of trouble with split safety coverages. Um, you know, the, he wasn't getting the same easy looks to the outside that he did the prior year. Halfway through the season, he just became, I don't want to say a check down machine, but he was ruthlessly efficient throwing short and middle of the field. Hayden Hurst got a lot of those targets. Samaj P. Ryan got a lot of those targets. Does Irv Smith Jr. step up in his place? Uh, you know, Tyler Bloyd is obviously very important there. Uh, Mixon is uh, productive as a pass catcher for them. So having him in the fold is important in that regard. But yeah, that's a that's a question I have. Like, I don't doubt that this offense can be explosive when given the opportunities to do so. My question is more, well, what happens when you, they don't have the opportunities to do so, especially if Burrow, you know, as I think he will, wants to get the ball out quickly in this one. Um yeah, I think that's that's going to be kind of like a bit of an open question. I also want to see, by the way, on, on the flip side, you know, we were talking about how much better this pass rush will be. Will the run defense actually be better? I mean, we're assuming you bring in Dalvin Tomlinson. This was one of the most abhorrent to watch run defenses in football last season. Uh, does bringing Dalvin Tomlinson change that? Shelby Harris is in the mix. He was solid for Seattle. I mean, you watch Seattle's run defense, too. It's not like exactly great shakes. I like joke a lot, but he's, his size has caused problems in this regard. Anthony Walker's the other linebacker. Um, The Bengals got much better at running the football last year. That was another thing I talked about Joe Burrow solving that, uh, you know, cover two. The, the Bengals run game basically fixed itself. didn't fix itself. They fixed it halfway through the season. And you bring in Orlando Brown. You're trying to transition to more of this like downhill power from the gun running game that should work against cleveland unless cleveland is fixed
1: I, I the 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 problem is they have so far to go to be yeah, decent in run defense cuz like you so said bad. they were bad. So bad it was like offensive <laughs> watching them at times <laughs> like it it was especially the defensive tackle so that that is like the glimmer of hope is like they very clearly made a concerted effort to to fix yeah. a defensive tackle situation and i do think tomlinson's a good player shelby harris i think is a lot better than whoever uh, they were playing at three tech last year but like i said they, it's a long way to go before they they get to decent and so i kind of want to see it first what i will say is that i think schwartz's defense is actually really good for specifically jok where it's a we're going to, everybody's playing a gap. We're getting downhill. We're going to go, we're going to go jump through a gap. I think that's really good for JOK. You can't have him sitting there waiting. A guard is going to come and take him on. Like he's going to get eaten that way. It's just not too much of that happened last year. And I think that's why he looked like a much worse player. Whereas I think if we're going to get him playing a little bit more downhill, a little bit more like, I think the best version of him is you try to get him playing like something like what Levante David has been with the Bucks, where he's just quick as a link uh, as a blink off of the line of scrimmage and just going obviously he's not going to be that good but I think if you can get him to start playing that way that's going to be effective but again I I really want to see it like I just they have like eight steps to go from where they were to be decent so I kind of want to see it first
0: so on the other side of the ball I am very interested in seeing what this Browns offense looks like um you know, something I've talked about all off season is how uncomfortable Deshaun Watson looked in scheme whenever they ran the typical Kevin Stefanski offense last year. Um, you know, I watched the preseason. He took a fair amount of snaps with some interest, and it looked like kind of a mix between the old and let's just put Watson in the gun and, you know, have him an empty more and kind of sp- spread things out. I am not. Yeah, I, I don't know. How Watsonified this offense is going to be. Um, I like part of me and i'm I'm a little torn on it, Derek, because the thing is like you know, you build the offense around the quarterback, but it was an offense that was extremely efficient, obviously, particularly on the ground before the quarterback played. Are you making sacrifices if you go away from that you know under center wide zone rushing attack? I think we're going to get a very early indication as to what, how that philosophical tension has been resolved. I don't think there's one right way of attacking Cincinnati. I mean, Cincinnati, you know, they have a young secondary and in a world where the quarterback is playing well, I do think the Browns have the receiving group to go after them and to win with Cooper more, Um, you know, and whoever the Tillman or probably Peoples Jones rather over Tillman, but, um, Joku, it's a good group, but, uh, you know, how do you get the most out of the quarterback? It remains an open question. I think.
1: I think when you pay infinity dollars to go get a quarterback, (laughs) you have to make the offense about him. The problem is I I'm just not there with with Watson at this point. I, I think last year he was truly, truly terrible. Um, and it's kind of a situation where, like, until he proves himself again, I'm just not going to believe. Uh, and, like, that's kind of the other thing is, like, like you said, Stefanski's offense is we're going to get under center. We're going to run the ball, play action, all that sort of stuff. And on one hand, I think Stefanski did a really good job adapting his run game to Cleveland's personnel from his time when he got there. To what they are now like obviously he came in as a shanahan we're gonna zone run, all that stuff and then he really kind of adapted to be like you know we have wyatt Teller, why not just pull this guy all the time he can go kill people when he's on the move so i think they started so he's proven on one hand that he can be pretty adaptable but to me that's like philosophically you're still a run team you know what i mean like you're still doing a lot of the same overarching type of stuff when you're trying to change the the philosophy of the passing game to be like, we're going to get in the gun. We're going to be empty. Everything's going to be a little bit looser. We're going to be okay flipping the coin on some of these crazy plays. Like that's just so you're completely shifting the paradigm of how the offense works. And that's where I think that's almost like too much of an undertaking, even for a good coach like Stefanski. Like I I trust him to do a lot, but like that's just asking for probably too much. And again, like you mentioned, they do have a good receiver core. Their offensive line is awesome, but I just think there's a little bit too much tension with what Stefanski wants to do and what Watson needs. And then also just Watson was pretty bad last year. And I don't have very much faith that he's going to be a whole lot better.
0: And I like the Bengals defense. Uh, You know, I didn't have them as a top 10 group or whatever, but I still think this is a very talented defensive line, underrated linebacker group. Um, The young secondary, as I said, is the question, but Wouzier is back what we've seen from Daxel who was you know a high draft pick has been good cam Taylor Britt played decently down the stretch so like the pieces are there the coaching is there. this is not a unit you can walk over especially again if if the quarterback doesn't play well um yeah I've been I've been like reluctant to try to make prognostications about the Browns offense just because of the you know Watson was so bad last year and schematically it's such a question. So I'm. this is one where I'm really interested in seeing it from um, a coaching standpoint, because it feels like if it isn't working, we're going to start to hear some uh, some stories coming out of Cleveland. Oh, the coach and the quarterback have different visions and uh, the blame game might be played. Oh, I never wanted him, uh, <laughs> you know, that kind of thing. Or it could work fantastically because he's in a great situation. Okay, speaking of great situations, let's go to Philadelphia, playing New England. Um, I want to start on the the, the Eagles offense versus the Patriots defense, because I think this is one of the more intriguing and fun matchups uh, of the entire weekend. Um, So the, the Eagles offense is very hard to stop. Uh, it's, uh, it's an offense that beats you with a combination of numbers, talent, and scheme. There are no good answers against this offense. This is something obviously we talked about a lot at the end of the season, as we were puzzling through, how do you stop this RPO attack and what should the chiefs do and all of that? Well, they didn't really stop them is the answer, uh, because there's no, there's no easy solve. Now, I think that presents some interesting questions for a Patriots offense that, as listeners know, I am very, very high on um, because they have a lot of different types of bodies that they can throw at Philadelphia, and they do a lot of different things on defense. Bill Belichick is one of the great bespoke game designers in football. Um, So let's start. Let's look at this from his point of view. I think one basic question to ask is how much man coverage do you play? The benefit is um, it obviously helps against the RPO game. The downside is Philadelphia has A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith. Who I, I like the Patriots corners. They're better than the Patriots corners. So what would you do, Derek, if you were Bill Belichick put, or Steve Belichick or Mayo or put on, put on your Pat's hat and let's try to figure out the right game plan versus this offense.
1: I, I think they drafted Christian Gonzalez to play man coverage because last year, like there was a lot of talk. Here's A.J. Brown, about, rookie
0: week one. Yeah, yeah, go, yeah, go Get figure it, it out, bud. <laughs>
1: um, last year, there was so much talk about the the Patriots changing their stripes a little bit and going to like more too high. They were playing a little bit more quarters, a little bit more cover two, stuff like that. And I think part of that is probably, you know, Belichick understanding that the, the, the league meta is changing a little bit. I also just think it's like, yeah, they had a bunch of Smurfs at corners who couldn't play man to man like that. And so the Belichick talented couldn't really. Smurfs.
0: <laughs> they're,
1: <laughs> they're yeah, smurfs. they're good players. Yeah. But like in terms of just going, you know, mano a mano on the boundary, that's just not what those guys do. And they, I think they had a lot of struggles last year being able to hold up outside the numbers. And I think they drafted Christian Gonzalez with the explicit intent of we want to go play more man coverage. We want to press a little bit. We want to win on the boundary. And so. This is maybe not the best matchup to test that immediately, but I think that's what they drafted him for. And I, I think that Belichick is, is really going to try to get back to that. Um, and then, like, uh, you know, kind of like you mentioned, they have a lot of pieces really at every level of the defense where they can move stuff around. I'm really interested to see what their front can do, especially if they can get Hurts and do a couple of, you know, I, I said this with the the Niners uh right. Uh, Steelers game but like if they can get hurts into a couple of like tricky third downs this, that's I think where this game can that's really, the NFL
0: really right now if you're playing an offense where optionality yeah. is their strength you got you, for very obvious reasons you want to get them you, when you get into third down the math changes and things change the problem with hurts is uh, unlike San Francisco you know he, he has been like he, you know he has proven his metal uh, in those situations and and obviously plays behind a very very good offensive line um, yeah, I mean that's the that's the the Belichick challenge of this. On the other side of the ball, like we kind of talk about the Eagles' offensive coordinator Brian Johnson, like he is walking into uh, turnkey, you know, offense. And there's just a lot of veracity to that. You, I mean, you could not design a more perfect offense right now than the Philadelphia Eagles. They're so good at everything. They can beat you with numbers. They can beat you with talent. They're they present so they. Compromise defenses in in a litany ways, and we assume he's going to copy paste a lot of the things we saw last year. The power spread approach. Where it gets tricky is this is week one. You are playing the best individual game designer play call, defensive play caller in the NFL, and what I think uh, Shane Steichen was very good at was making adjustments on the fly, both in-game adjustments and then week-to-week changing up the offense. So this is a unique challenge for a first-time play call or first-time offensive coordinator. Even if I think, like, if you if you put these teams, you know, just head-to-head, the Eagles probably do have a talent advantage on offense. It, it's it's not large because I do think the Patriots defense is very good. Schematically, like, this is as hard, this is as hard as it gets. For Brian Johnson, he is being thrown into the ex- the coaching fire in this one. And I think this- we'll learn a lot about him early on.
1: The last thing you mentioned about Steichen, I think, is the most important. Because what made the Eagles offense work last year wasn't necessarily like, oh, they're cooking up the most crazy plays. Like Kyle Shanahan will cook up some play that you're like, I don't even know how you thought of that. With the Eagles, it was a lot more simple. It's just they were pressing the right button all the time like the cardinals game i remember they were just like all right we're just gonna screen an rpo like a (laughs) because that's the cardinals just couldn't stop it and then against the packers i think they were just like all right we're just gonna quarterback run a million times because they can't stop it like they just like you said they were really good at through the first couple of drives of the game they were like all right what's the pain point here we're gonna find it we're gonna hit that button 40 times over the course of the game and they were really really good at that um and this is not to take away from Brian Johnson, but like until he shows that he can do that at the same level, I, I you can't assume that that's going to be a given like it was last year. Like, yeah. like Steichen was so, so good at that. And we just don't know with Brian Johnson yet. And and like you said, when you're playing Bill Belichick in Lee your Glenn. first game with a Lee defense Glenn. that has the talent to be yeah. the best defense in the league, ah, you're asking for a lot. Like, like the Eagles offense is going to run itself to a degree – but getting that extra like ten percent to get you over the finish line that Steichen had—that's where I just we don't know.
0: It's Bill Belichick. You can be like, wait a second—is that Kyle Duggar uh, playing corner? And is that which he does? <laughs> you know, is that yep. <laughs> uh, you know Bentley on the defensive line? Is he blitzing? What is happening? Why are they doing some kind of elaborate river dance? I don't. It's, it's, uh, you just don't know. You just don't know. Um, okay. Well, uh, I, I think. I, we're interested in Brian Johnson, but I think we can agree that seeing this bill O'Brien offense is the bigger, um, will be the bigger revelation just because we haven't seen it. Uh, we have speculated a lot about how he might fix Mac Jones or make things better. Uh, how it'll look a lot lower, like Alabama, uh, we saw, have seen during the preseason, a lot more RPOs, which suggests that all the speculation was correct. Um, so I think you know I, my question. I think for for the, for that for this side, I don't I don't expect Mac to put up big numbers against this Eagles defense, which has its own weaknesses, by the way. I expect them to come out and like run the ball, test the Eagles on the ground. I think they would run the ball anyways, but I think that against this particular defense, that's what you want to do. And come out with the two tight ends a lot. It's going to be um, and then. Uh, you know, occasionally they'll mix things up and go into empty and there'll be a pretty heavy RPO component. I think for, from the Pat's perspective, the thing that I, the single thing that I really want to see out of Mac Jones is, does he look more comfortable under pressure than he did last season Um, when he was both, you know, just under pressure or when he was blitzed, it was an absolute nightmare in 2022. Now with Bill O'Brien giving him easier answers against certain looks um, does he seem more comfortable in the offense and less panicky? And I think even if he doesn't, you know, put up big numbers, if he looks more comfortable and he looks like less of a disaster under pressure, I think as a Pats fan, you'll feel pretty good.
1: This, this feels weird to say because I didn't, I wasn't all that high on Mac Jones' rookie season. I think he's like severely underrated Ooh. right now. I think people forget like that. He's pretty <laughs> like he's, He's not insane, but he's like a league average, probably a little bit better quarterback. And I think people think he's just like terrible now because of how last year went. But I think the, the blitz stuff so perfectly encapsulates what went wrong with their offense last year, Matt, the, the way they were setting protections and, and, handling stuff in protection last year was so so bad like even from week one against the dolphins it was like ah they just don't have a plan for anything like they're just guys don't know where they're supposed to be like the guys don't understand their adjustments mac is doing his best to get everybody in the best spot but nobody's quite getting it um and then so that part was a problem and then they just kind of like you mentioned didn't really have good answers they threw I don't, I don't have the stat in front of me, but I know like Nate Tice has talked about this on the athletic show. They threw a billion go balls against blitzes because that, like, that yes. was their only option. They were like, ah, we're just going to throw it up. But it's like they don't even have a field stretcher. Like, it, it, that's a bad strategy to begin with. Yeah. But they don't have a, a, like, a guy who is a dominant field stretcher on the outside. So it, it didn't make sense from that angle. Also, Mac Jones isn't like that great of a deep passer to begin with. He's okay, like, on rhythm and stuff, but. Not when you're throwing it against the blitz, like it just. So I think they just so clearly didn't have a plan. That I think it was one of those things where every time Mac saw a pressure look, he was like, "Here we go again, man. Like I'm gonna get hit." Like it was just one of those things where you know something is gonna go wrong, so you can't really play your best. I think that's gonna change with Bill O'Brien. Like he he's not a, a mastermind, but he's gonna get them to average. And if they can get to average and have answers. I trust Mac is, is going to be able to find answers.
0: All of the things that I mentioned, just um, this it, it's nothing like we're not, this isn't rocket science. I'm like, put him in empty, clarify the picture, use motion, yes. RPOs, just make life easier for this man and give him answers to the blitz, to, you know, different defensive looks where it doesn't look like he's guessing out there. Um, all of those things can happen. Even if you don't have tremendous talent, the way, Philadelphia does on offense. I think the Pats have decent talent. I think they'll have a good run game. I think that'll help in this particular game, but I think scheme can do a lot to make Mac Jones look more comfortable than he did last year. I do not expect uh, him to, again, like look great against what is very still a very good Philadelphia defense, but it can be respectable. <laughs> uh, uh, so... Yeah, so so uh, I don't think I gave a pick for. Uh, I am going to go with San Francisco now that Bose is playing. I was kind of wavering a little bit. Uh, I am going with Cincinnati, not too much of a shocker, and I'm going with Philadelphia. So I didn't get there. You know, it's obvious. I mean, I assume you're the same on all three.
1: Yeah, <laughs> I, I'm with you on all of them. I, I I do think at least this one to me is like kind of the most interesting, just because I think you know with all the different play callers in Philly and all that sort yeah. of stuff, but. It, the the Eagles are still, they're pretty talented, both sides of the Cook ball. It Cook it
0: weird. Could get weird. I'm going to say that about every Patriots game this year. All right, let's take a quick break, come back, and uh, talk about some more games. Tickets to the game, merch, meals at iconic restaurants, stays at Caesars Palace. All this can be yours when you bet with Caesars Sportsbook. Win or lose, every bet earns reward credits, which you can redeem across the empire. Now, if you haven't started yet, register using code OMAHAFULL. And then place your first bet up to $1,250. If you win, great, keep those winnings. But if you lose, you'll get your stake back as a bonus bet. 21 and older only offer valid and must be physically present in Arizona, Colorado, Illinois, Indiana, Iowa, Kansas, Louisiana, Massachusetts, Maryland, Michigan, New Jersey, New York, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, and Wyoming only. New users and first $10 plus wagers only must register with an eligible promo code bet amount of qualifying wager returned only if wager is settled as a loss maximum bonus bet $1,250 bonus bet expires 14 days after receipt. Tier credits and reward credits will be added to the account within seven days after qualifying wager settles. See Caesars.com promos for full terms. Void where prohibited. Know when to stop before you start. Gambling problem? Arizona, call 1-800-NEXT-STEP. Colorado, Wyoming, Kansas, affiliated with Kansas Crossing Casino, call one 800 522 4700 Indiana, call one 800 9 with it. Iowa, call one 800 bets Off. Louisiana, call 1-877-770-stop. licensed through Horseshoe, Bossier City, and Harris, New Orleans. Massachusetts, call one 800 327 5050 or visit gamblinghelplinema.org. Michigan, call one 800 270 7117 Illinois, Maryland, New Jersey, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, Ohio, Pennsylvania, affiliated with Harris, Philadelphia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem, crisis counseling and referral services can be accessed by calling one 800 gambler that's 1-800-426-2537 or in west virginia visit 1-800 gambler.net for the ones who get it done Granger offers high quality supplies and solutions for every industry as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions plus their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facilities safe and your people safer call click Granger.com or just stop by Okay, we're back. And the next game is a tasty treat. Dolphins Chargers. I'm so excited for this game. I was going to
1: say that's the most you've been very excited this whole show, but that was the most palpable that it's
0: been. <laughs> How could you not be excited for this game? This is nerd heaven. This is and it's great because it's I don't know who I'm gonna pick. I'm actually hoping that our conversation will clarify this for me. Um, I don't have the lines in front of me, but I assume it's pretty close. I actually don't even know who's favored. I, maybe Chargers because it's at home? I don't know. Uh, And I think you can make a very strong argument for either side. I think we should start, though, by recapping what happened the last time these teams played because it's really important, I think, uh, to discussing this game, especially in terms of the Dolphins offense versus the Chargers defense, less so on the other side of the ball, though that I think it's relevant, too. So... Uh, recap, <laughs> when these teams met in week 14, it was like a take apolypse uh, because of just the narratives around these quarterbacks, the debates, the Miami Dolphins uh, prior to this game had been just absolutely dominating. Well, I guess San Francisco was before, but we were like, ah, oh, San Francisco's so good. I don't know. Maybe that's just the Niners. The Chargers defense was somewhat undermanned. Osa wasn't playing yet. Uh, some injuries. So the Dolphins' offense uh, prior to this game had been absolutely destroying people by basically putting their receivers motion, play fake, ball out super quick, boom. Ten yards every time. Derek, did I describe? That? I'm trying to. I mean, I could. It's.
1: I would say so, and everybody okay. was terrified of it and didn't want to do anything well, on defense. <laughs>
0: nobody. Well, you know, the defenses were playing them in too hot. They were like, "Oh, let's just like give them room and try to stop them." And you know, um. So what Stanley did? It, it, it's actually it's it's not as simple as he pressed the corners, although he did that, which is something that defenses were very afraid to do, to try to disrupt the timing of that concept, but. Like every play in this game, the Chargers were showing something different before and after the snap. They were playing man when you expected them to play zone. They were playing zone when you expected them to play man. They were showing press. They were playing off. It was like total chaos. Again, it is really worth rewatching because, um, and they were communicating very well uh, what the Dolphins were doing with their pre-snap motion. And I think the simplest way to put it is they just threw off the timing of the whole thing. Made to uh, hold on to the ball a split second longer. And then when he didn't, sometimes he was throwing it to guys who weren't there, turned the ball over, all that. So that brings us to this rematch. Um, and I think that on that side of the ball, that's just what's so fascinating about this. Um, will the Dolphins' offense look different? What kind of counter punches have they cultivated, assuming that the Chargers do something similarly, which they might not? Um, And then perhaps uh, most importantly, like, can the Dolphins run the ball? Can the Chargers run defense? Stop them. They were horrible last year. I don't know if I I kind of am dubious of them this year, even with the addition of Eric Kendricks. So, Derek, can you answer all those questions for me? What do you expect?
1: I'll try my best. Um, I I will say Eric Kendricks is maybe the most interesting part of this to me, but not for run defense. For Mm. me, so everything that the chargers did the last time around uh against against the chargers obviously like you, you laid out the billion different things that they did but to me it was like they could play inside leverage they could play play press man and they could throw off the timing of everything that was happening it's like i think the man element was was <clears throat> kind of huge in terms of that. Obviously, I don't think they're going to be able to run back the same plan and do it again. Like, if they do that, Mike McDaniel is going to have some sort of plan. To me, what I think is the most interesting is, like, can Eric Kendricks be a really good hole player? Um, because that is – that. I mean, that's why the 49ers were able to kind of dismantle the, the Dolphins defense – or the Dolphins offense the way that they did. Is like, Fred Warner just commands an unholy amount of space. In the middle of the field and like there's plays where he doesn't actually touch the ball, but he defends a pass just because of the way that he's like manipulating throwing windows and stuff like that. And I obviously don't expect Eric Kendricks to play to that level, especially now, like I think last year you kind of started to see the wheels fall off a little bit for him, but he's a really, really smart player and I think he's kind of in the same mold. Um, or was at his peak in the same mold of, of Fred Warner as a coverage player, just not quite as athletic and quite as dynamic. So I think if they, if Saley can find a way to kind of use him and let him command some of that space and, and change things up a little bit in that sense, I think that's where this, this Chargers defense might be able to change things up a little bit. And then obviously you also, you know, if you have Derwin who you can kind of roll in as that whole player and switch things up a little bit, I think that's kind of where it, where it becomes not necessarily just the the man element, but like, how are they defending the middle of the field? Who are they doing it with? How are they getting there? All that sort of stuff.
0: Yeah, I, I think um, while it's it's hard to predict exactly what they'll do in terms of okay, you know what downs do they play man? What downs do they play zone? What's you know like I said it's going to be the, the exact same. I do think we can anticipate that there will be a concerted effort to take away the middle of the field. This is like I don't care if you're Brandon Staley or. I don't know. I was going to name like a bad defense. Card, and then I was like, I don't know what you mean. <laughs> point is, if you're playing the dolphins, you should take away the middle of the field. I think that's pretty obvious. Uh, that is where Tua is his best. And it is, um, you know, and, and he, he is capable of throwing the ball to the outside of the field, but it is not his strength as a quarterback. So I think to your point, if uh, Eric Kendricks can really help in that regard, I think that is the kind of the more predictable aspect of this side of the ball. And um, yeah if if they do force Tua to throw the ball outside that's a win. Even not always a win. I think sometimes I mean we saw Tyreek Hill in the preseason snap off Texans cornerback. Did you see that play? The cornerback. Yeah. was sent into Poor like another world. Like- <laughs> uh, and uh Tua completed the pass very well. Uh but 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 point is that's obviously what you want to do. I also I I, I do think I am interested in seeing if um the Miami run game looks any different. Um You know, last year, they got like a lot of criticism for the run game, but it wasn't that bad. I thought, especially at the end of the year, there were a few games where you saw they looked pretty capable of running the football. And this was something I did watch closely in the preseason with some interest. Um, And it looked pretty similar, you know, just a lot of motion, fullback on the field, a lot of split zone. And they ran the ball well. So, you know, that's I, I do think you should run the ball against the Chargers team, especially at the beginning of the year. Uh, make them show you that they've improved in that regard because I'm, I'm skeptical of it. Uh, equally fascinated by the other side of the ball though, because uh, from a coaching perspective, from a, we've been talking about these teams all off I mean, I, there's been so much hype. Should I say this passively as though I haven't participated in it around this Vic Fangio Miami defense and also around Kellen Moore joining the chargers and what that might do to unlock uh, the L.A. offense. Um, it, and, and I think this is an interesting week one matchup for that reason, Derek, because the biggest question surrounding L.A. has been, will Justin Herbert push the ball downfield? Is his offense going to ask him to push the ball downfield? Will you have opportunities to push the ball downfield? Is his offense line him to protect him long enough to do it? Will he take the risks? All of that. And if, if Josh Boyer was still the defensive coordinator, I'd be like, we're going to find out. He is not the defensive coordinator. Vic Fangio is the defensive coordinator. Vic Fangio is not going to allow Justin Herbert to easily push the ball downfield. Um, And so, like, I actually think this game might be more about answering the other big question hanging over the Chargers offense, the less sexy question, which is can they actually run the football?
1: I, I was I was going to say the same thing. I think they have to run the football. And this is not even just like a this game thing. This is, I think, the entire season. Um, what I will say is I think Kellen Moore has a much more interesting run game than, than Joe Lombardi ever showed, um, w- which I think is a start. And obviously they're getting Rashawn Slater back, which is going to help. Yes. Um, but this Miami front is really, <sighs> really, really good. Like Christian Wilkins... He's a great player, but he's really come into his own specifically as a run defender. Like he's I remember so two years ago being like, Man, he can get after the passer, but he just the run game stuff is not there. Now he's one of the he's in the backfield all the time, doesn't really give up space. Like he's amazing as a run defender now. Zach Sealer eats ground about as well as anybody. Um like they just have dude like Jerome Baker's even a good linebacker. They they brought in David oh, Long. Dude, like they have yeah. dudes. And so I think, you know, this is going to be a really big test for the Chargers. I think they're going to have to change some stuff up from what they did last year. I still don't think they have enough talent to beat a front like this. Um, So I'm very curious on the run game. What's funny about the passing game, and you mentioned this, like they were playing against last year's Dolphins. Yes, they'd be throwing it down the field all the time. I think, funny enough, this game is going to look a lot like the Joe Lombardi passing offense last <laughs> year. I think it's, it's going to be a lot of stop routes. It's going to be a lot of trying to get the ball to the slot receiver. Um, because I think that's just kind of the way you're going to have to play against this, yeah. th- this Vic Fangio defense. And, and the thing is, like, they do have the receivers for it. Like, they have dudes where you can just run a stop route and pin it on him. And Herbert's great at that. And all the receivers are really good at that. I just... It's going to be really frustrating to watch the offense do that again after we've spent an entire offseason of like, it's going to be different, it's going to be different.
0: Especially, Ah, it's a Vic Fangio defense, which Herbert has had some problems with in the past. Mm -hmm. And, you know, Herbert does not like to take risks. And that defense is going to be rotating, they're going to be changing their coverage. Like, he might be equally the limiting factor Pushing the ball downfield against this offense based on his tendencies and who he is as a quarterback. Um yeah, like I, I I think um Dan and I talked about this on NFL Live. The deep passing game really has to come off of play action in this one. Um, and I I think Herbert has to be comfortable making some of the tight window throws. Also uh, for them to have any explosives, but we'll, we'll see. I I, I think I, but to your point, like this is a game where I think like because of the nature of the defense. The Chargers offense might be a little frustrating at times and maybe by the way, maybe early on they can't run the ball well and I'll be curious to see how they respond to that because it thwarted them so much last year. Do you have a pick? I, I, I really am struggling with this one.
1: Before I make my pick, uh, I, what I will say about Herbert, I actually kind of have faith that he's going to become more aggressive because I think what people kind of forget about him at Oregon is like he was a little bit of a wild boy. Like a lot of his best plays were outside the pocket, throwing tight windows, doing stuff that like probably didn't have much business doing. Um, and I think we've seen it in spurts in the NFL, like, like the Raiders game two years ago now, uh, the Chiefs game last year. Like we, we know he's got it. In, Even as the,
0: the Dolphins last a year, of like, when they were jailbreaking, yes, yes. There, there was a certain point where you saw him go into effort mode, and it yes, like, you're like, "Come on, man! Come on, man! Just do it!" Now you it's know? like, "Just
1: do that all the time." There's listen, I love Justin Herbert. I think he's a top five quarterback. There's like a little bit of Derek Carr in there where he kind of has that where it's oh, like, 100%. you know you can do it," but like, yes. but like, man, just do it more. But like I said, I, I think I have faith that he'll be able to unlock that a little bit more. Um that said, I, I think I'm probably taking Dolphins here. I, I really? Just think, I, I just think that often. I I have a lot of faith. I, I'm not a big Tua guy, but I have a lot of faith that Mike McDaniel is, is going to come back with something um, against this defense. And I just think the Vic, Fangio G, Vic Fangio's defense with all the talent they have, mm. I think it's going to be a good game. It's going to be a close game. But I, I really, really struggle with Mike McDaniel getting got. Twice in a row by the same guy. Like I, I just they have, Joey I have Bosa a really now hard time
0: with that. against this tackle duo. I just, Tron Armstead <laughs> still not practicing. Ah, yeah. I feel the same way about McDaniel. I don't know. This might be a game time decision for me. Okay, Packers Bears. <laughs> <laughs> um, talked a lot about Jordan Love by the way, Christian Watson and Romeo Dobbs out today with hamstring stuff. Yeah. Don't love that. Uh, we're gonna assume they're playing for this discussion because if they're not, I don't know. You're looking at Reed, <laughs> who are <laughs> their core writers' ears at the top of my head? I'm like, oh, I, I think like
1: Savari Touré, is, Touré, I think Touré roster, yeah, like... Touré.
0: There's some, yeah. The, they uh, might just go 14
1: personnel if if Watson and Dubs are out.
0: <laughs> I actually think Musgrave is getting a lot of targets like early on oh, they yeah. seem pretty Im- intent on using him, the rookie tight end they drafted this year. But okay, assuming those guys are playing, um this is a great matchup for for Jordan Love to enter the NFL. Uh not the, the, the I'm talking specifically about the Bears defense. Um which I don't think is good. <laughs> I'm just gonna say that. Uh, I think the, the linebacking duo is obviously very improved. Walker's good. You bring in Gakwe now. Uh, I don't think that. I think based on what we saw out of the Packers in the preseason, I'm not talking about the performance. I'm talking about the the offense looks like kind of what we expected, um, which is sort of similar to things that Matt LaFleur has done in in different ways during the course of his career with Aaron Rodgers. Um, I feel like they match up really well with this Bears defense. What do you think?
1: Oh, I think 100%. I I think especially like, I I think the linebacking core is really improved, but behind these defensive tackles, I'm just not – all the way there. I think especially with the way that Green Bay is going to want to play, where I think they're going to get into a lot of 21 and 12 personnel with yeah. um, they've had the playing a lot of fullbacks. So I think they're going to do some of that. Like, I think they're going to play a lot of that style and really run the ball down the hill. And the problem is TJ Edwards, I think is good, but he, I think enjoyed being able to play behind defensive tackles who constantly gave him a lot of space. Yeah. I think that was very helpful for him. He's just not going to get that. Here and not to the same level. I I I don't think so. I think when you combine that um, with just how well I think Lafleur has called his offense and how bully ball they're going to be, I think and and this Packers offensive line is just good. Like they're really really good across the board. Like we still don't know what we're going to get fully from David Bakhtiari um, ever, but. I think across the board. Does it matter
0: really, really against this Bears front? Nah, probably not. Like the other, not, the other
1: four guys are it, great. So. You know,
0: I yeah. I mean, the, the the line is so good, and this defensive line in Chicago is not good. And frankly, Jordan Love, it. like you said, that I think they'll be able to play bully ball against them. I think the option game will be very effective. I think the RPOs will be effective as well. Um, and I think he'll. It, it, it is li- like just a really good runway for him into the NFL. Although, you know, if you don't have Dobbs and and Watson, that's a problem. I think Watson will, if assuming he does play, have a lot of success against these bears corners as well. So that'll just come down to whether Jordan love can get him the football, Um, which times he did in the preseason times. He didn't, Uh, I'm actually probably more excited to watch Justin Fields because it's a better matchup. And, because this is definitely one of like the 10 things I'm most excited to see this NFL season. Is, does it work? How much better does he look? Uh, let, let's start here. Because, you know, we haven't seen that much in the preseason. Throw some mean screen. DJ Moore looks great. <laughs> what is the number one thing you, as a quarterback evaluator, want to see from Justin Fields' early part of the season? But we'll focus on this game
1: it just has to be faster. Like everything about his game needs to be faster because I think from a processing standpoint, I think he has issues with being, with being a little slow. Um, Like there are flashes where it's like, okay, he gets it. He knows where his eyes need to be. It's just, he's got to speed it up and he's got to understand when it's okay to just like take the easy route and check the ball down. Like this is a maturation process we saw from, Uh, most notably josh allen and joe burrow where both of those guys at certain points in their career were like okay it's okay to just i don't have to throw a deep every single play i can take five yards here and get to a manageable second five we can get a good play call go to the next one like i think that's going to be huge for him i think the other thing is like he just has to speed up the way that he throws is just really slow like physically he's just a very slow passer i think that's part of why he's really struggled throwing like the one to ten yard area it's just he's It's almost like Cam Newton used to have this like very, it was like he was loading a cannon when he really like dipped back into his back hip and like really loaded and fired. The problem is Cam was just so much, he had so much more torque that it happened faster. Justin Fields doesn't really have that. Um, And then the other thing I've kind of noticed is like, it seems like his motion is a little more over the top and forced this year where like he used Hmm. to have a very low release And so it seems like his release has changed and like, I'm a little concerned that that's going to hurt his accuracy a little bit. So um, to me, it's just, he really has to just get faster at, at kind of everything. Like he has some of the flashes and I don't think, I don't think he makes like boneheaded decisions that much. He just makes a lot of late decisions. So I just think everything needs to get a lot faster.
0: One thing I'll be curious to see is if this Packers defense sells out against the run against Chicago, Uh, and Mm. and then, of course, Justin Fields capable of punishing them for it, and he should be with this improved receiver group. But it's a Packers defense that (laughs) was very, very bad against the run last year. Even as the pass defense improved as the year went on, they could not stop teams on the ground. Uh, On runs between the tackles, they were last in the league in success rate, 31st in EPA per play, 30th in the percentage that went for 10 or more yards. So it wasn't just a, a defense, a first level thing. Um, despite that, Joe Barry, he still played like a ton of nickel and time. Like he was still, uh, Crazy. insistent on, uh, seeding the run or at least trusting that, uh, defensive line to hold up. That defensive line is different now, which should be acknowledged. Jaron Reed, uh, is gone. Uh, Dean Lowry is not starting. I think it's going to be Devontae White and and TJ Slayton. Um, So perhaps that will help a lot. But I think I'm kind of interested in... And by the way, I I want to be clear. I'm, I'm talking about the defensive line. The run defense was awful at all three levels. I mean, Savage. My God, that dude missed a lot of tackles last year. And he is still the starting safety, I believe. So... I think I'm curious to see uh, just kind of structurally. I I think Chicago is going to run the ball a lot, and I don't blame them for doing so against this defense. I want to see structurally, have they changed in any way? And then from a personnel standpoint, do the changes up front make a difference in stopping the run?
1: I was really hoping at the end of last season, like when the season ended, like, Man, they have so much talent up front. They they really need to change what they're doing structurally, kind of almost similar to like the Seahawks. Where like the Seahawks weren't as talented, but like a lot of their issues were just structural. They kept the same defensive coordinator, and I'm assuming he's going to run back a lot of the same stuff. And that to me is is a major problem um, because like they did change out a, a couple of defensive, um, you know, the interior guys. Like yeah. I expect Devontae Wyatt to take a step. Like part of the calculus last year of the Packers being a good defense is was like, oh, Devonta Wyatt's going to come in and just blow stuff up on every fourth play. Um, That didn't really happen. He was kind of on and off, and then he didn't really kind of turn on until the end of the season. Quay Walker, similar deal. Like It kind of took him until the end of the season, really, where it was like, okay, he's comfortable. He's playing faster. He's taking on blocks the way that he needs to. So maybe just the improvement from those guys is going to help a little, but I just, with Joe Barry calling the defense again, I just don't, see how it's supposed to be all that much better even though when you look at the depth chart it's like first round pick first round pick first round pick insane free agent signing first round pick first, it's like how is this not good but i just don't see why it should be that much better
0: i just won't i have been burned too many times by this group. i'm not gonna bet on them improving until i see it uh last time they played just Fields around six times for 71 yards by the way all right uh, let us wrap. Oh, uh, I'm paying the Packers though. Nonetheless, just, uh, I just don't, I just yeah. the bears defenses. <laughs> uh, Very not good. Cowboys giants. Let's wrap here. This is a fun one. Um, let's start with the Dallas offense again. There's so many, so many, uh, so much coaching turnover. I don't know if anyone's quantified this, but it feels like more than past years. Um like when I was putting like I was trying to put together a list of like the 10 units I'm most excited to see, and it was so many of them because so many of them have new coaches, and I'm I like like I I it sucks. I'm not gonna watch Ravens, Texans in real time, but the Ravens offense might be the unit I'm most intrigued by in the entire NFL. Uh Dallas offense, I'm very curious about in this one. Um I think This has kind of been one of the biggest questions of the entire offseason is how different does it actually look with Mike McCarthy at the helm versus Kevin Kellen Moore. Preseason didn't look that different. Um, But Dak, you know, I mean, like, you know, it's preseason. I don't know. I never know how much to read into that, especially with when you've got a veteran quarterback um, and you're not seeing, you know, I think with the young guys, you get a better sense of what coaches have intended for them because they actually show some stuff. So, um, you know, with this matchup, I I do think that the Giants' defense will be improved. Um, But I expect that I, 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 I don't expect them to play differently. It's kind of like Detroit, where I'm like, no, they're going to play a ton of man. They're still going to blitz a lot. They're going to do all the things. I think my question is, okay, well, what does Dallas look like? Um, And that is something that I haven't been able to get my. As much as we like the pieces in Dallas, we like the wide receiver group. I think the offensive line should still be good. I don't really know if they're going to look any different from last year. So I'm, I'm excited to learn quickly.
1: My biggest question is like, what's it going to look personnel wise? Because I think one thing that Kellen Moore did really, really well is, was constantly switching up personnel and you didn't quite know what they were going to do out of each personnel package. Like they were having Tony Pollard doing weird stuff. They had three or four tight ends that they could just do any, any number of things with. They had two running back sets at some point. Like they just, I think they did a really good job given that they only had one really good wide receiver. I think they did a cool job of constantly Mm -hmm. mixing and matching their personnel. And so I don't think that's going to stay the same now that they have no. Mike McCarthy, who is traditionally an 11 person. But they have three abuser. good wide receivers. Now, th- but the- hypothetically. The thing, like, I think, right, is like now there's like we're getting Gallup I more removed from his injury, which I think is huge because like when he's been healthy, he's been a good – Like solid X receiver, nothing crazy, but he's nice to have. And then you bring in Brandon Cooks, who is like this offense had no speed last year. Like Ceedee Lamb is awesome, but he's not really like a vertical field stretcher. He's more in like the Cooper Cup horizontal stretcher, if that makes sense. Um, So getting a guy like Cooks who can actually win down the field, I think is going to open up a lot of space for Dak. So I think the personnel usage is really where I think we're going to see the most shift here. Um Just because, like I said, they did a million different things under the sun with Kellen Moore. And this year, maybe they still have some of that, but like they just don't have to. Like there, there's no reason for it when you have three receivers that are going to play, assuming they play to the level that they're going to play at.
0: The Cowboys offense should match up well with New York. I guess that's what I keep going back to. Like we, we do, you know, it's Wing Dell. They're going to play a lot of man coverage. They're going to blitz. Dak Prescott, uh, Last three years, fourth in QBR versus the Blitz. Man coverage, seventh in QBR last season. And that was with, I thought, a group that was pretty limited, frankly, in, in their ability to beat man coverage um, as a whole. These receivers should be able to, like, they should, you know, like like the the, the passing attack should be able to move. Well. Even the run game, which I think we, we have a lot of um, skepticism about because of... Um, well, you know, we just haven't seen it with Pollard, and and as much as we love Pollard, and you know, I think that'll be something. It's a very bad run defense. They should be able to run the ball as well. Ideally, not you know on first down to no effect. So, like from like when you just put these rosters next to each other, the, the Cowboys' offense should has a lot of advantages. I I think you know the, the, I really really like the Giants' defensive line. I'm talking, I think they're very very talented. Um. And so they should be able to pressure Dak a fair amount. But nevertheless, this is if the passing game looks bad, I would be nervous week one with the coaching change, uh, because from a talent perspective, they are better or they should have advantages. There's clear mismatches on the table.
1: Yeah, I mean the the Giants' secondary was one of the worst in the league last year, and like they, you know, they drafted Deontay Banks, who I think has looked okay at certain points, but they're still not a very talented group. Um, so I I, I think that the passing offense absolutely has to look great here. What I'm actually really interested about this uh this side of the ball on is like how much does the New York change at linebacker actually shift how good they can be in run such defense good, because run, like yeah. because. Yeah, because the thing is, I think we always assume that the way the defensive tackle linebacker relationship works is like, oh, defensive tackle is either going to buy space or, you know, shoot a gap and it's going to create some sort of mess and the linebacker can go clean it up. You can also have a case where linebackers are really good at triggering playing downhill and that allows, you know, that forces offensive linemen to come off of a block and, and make the defensive lineman's job easier. They did not have any of that last year those dudes played slow they didn't know where they were supposed to be and I think that made a really good on paper defensive interior just not be able to play to the level that they can play at I think now you bring in a guy like Bobby Okereke who is like he's not a a world leader but he's He's a competent he's competent competent and he knows where he needs to be that's gonna be huge and then even like I was watching Mikey McFadden in preseason he looks competent like he, he he looks he looks better than he looks last year I think he looks a little bit faster I think he was doing better at coming and playing blocks and like if they can just be where they need to be and get guys to come off blocks a little bit I think that the, the Giants defensive interior is going to play a lot better um, you know this this Cowboys offensive line is still pretty good and I think they're going to be able to run the ball a little bit but I'm very interested to see how much the Giants linebackers can actually shift what was other than the Browns Probably the worst run defense in the league last year, or the Packers, I guess.
0: They were atrocious in run defense, and and I think they were. Yeah, and they they added a little bit of beef at defensive tackle as well, and we'll see. Um, yeah, I, I I I think that'll be interesting. That's probably yeah. That's the the bar was very very low. I think on the other side, the biggest question um for New York for Mike Kafka and Brian Dable is can they slow the pass rush through the option and what they're able to do out of their 21 and 12 personnel groupings. Um, that's the biggest disadvantage they have in this game. Well, Andrew Thomas is very good, but Dallas unfortunately has two of them, <laughs> two of these dudes in Lawrence and Parsons, uh, as well as just, you know, a very relentless four man rush. Um, yeah, I, I think however, um, it's funny because we were talking at the top of the show about like the way teams play the 49ers. I do think the Giants offense, interestingly enough, you know, I don't they're not super explosive. I still have question marks about the wide receiver group, are they gonna push the ball downfield? But I actually think against Dallas in particular, the way they're built protects them to some degree. Um, because I think that there's a lot of levers that they can push to try to neutralize the Dallas defensive line that maybe other teams cannot. Am I being too optimistic about it or no?
1: I mean, like maybe just because like their offensive line is just outside of Andrew Thomas, just like flatly not very talented. But sure. I think like from a schematic point, it, it, you're absolutely right. Like I think the option game is. It's going to make defensive linemen think a little bit about getting, you know, off the line of scrimmage. And like, that's what Dallas's front four was so good about last year is they just played like banshees. Like they just, as soon as the ball was snapped, they were going to go find ball, kill ball. And, and like that, I think they did a really good job of that. But if you can option them a little bit, I think that hurts. I also think if you can, you, you can put together a pretty good screen game that can hurt. And I think Dable actually really has that in his bag. I think they did a really good job of that last year, specifically like tight end screens. I thought they did a pretty good job of um with last year so i think if they can do a little bit of that that can help slow down the the pass rush a little bit and then the other thing is like i don't know how much they're gonna do it but daniel jones is like kind of a good empty quarterback like he just he's always been like that's all they did at duke because their offensive line was terrible so they were like screw it just get the ball out immediately so he's gotten like a billion reps of this over his career um, but I think being good from empty can even like it just forces the defense to like, all right, this is what we got. And, and if Daniel Jones can can play effectively from yeah. empty and just get the ball out, have seven snaps a game where you just don't have to deal with the pass rush, if that makes sense. Um, I think that could be huge. So I, like they have a lot of schematic ways to deal with the pass rush. It's just you look at the depth chart and it's Micah Parsons, Marcus Lawrence, Oso Zua. Like they just they've got guys. <laughs>
0: I think that the, the the way I would put it is the reason why I think, and I I've said I, the Cowboys' defense I think is the best in the NFL, and I think they're so good. However, the area where they're weakest, linebacker, potentially up the gut, we'll see if you know there's any impact um, if their defensive interior has gotten better at all, happen to be the things that I think the New York is good at targeting and exploiting. So I. You know, I, I'm I, I'm picking Dallas to win. I'm not crazy, but I wouldn't be surprised if the Giants offense can, can get something going. It, despite the fact that I'm so high on Dallas' defense, purely from a matchup perspective. That's all. And I and I, I yeah, I like what I saw from them in the preseason. I think when Darren Waller and Cody Bellinger are on the field at the same time, it's going to be pretty sick. We talked about that a little bit earlier in the week. So.
1: Well, I'm glad you just mentioned Waller because actually the thing I really want to see in this game is like, is this a big J-Ron Curse game? Because he's mm, they've used yeah. him over the past couple of years as like a weapon of like, all right, if you got a tight end, we're gonna play a little bit of bully ball. We're gonna play some choke fronts and put the put Jaron Curse right on the line of scrimmage and see what happens. Um, obviously, I think Waller is like a better player <laughs> than Jaron Curse. I, I don't think that's that's too much of a hot take, but I think if uh, he can disrupt a couple of key plays. Maybe that's where Dallas like really chokes the Giants out, but I don't know. Th- Darren Waller is too good when he's healthy. That that maybe that's pretty optimistic.
0: All right, we did it. Six games. Wow. Now we're gonna do what I promised at the top of the show, which is uh, you're gonna help me make these picks. I really hope nobody from my family listens to this podcast, by the way, because they could just steal my picks. We're gonna rip through these. Derek, are you ready? Let's go. Saints favored by three against the Titans. I'm going to take the Saints. Very concerned about this Titans offensive line. But this could get ugly because I do like the uh, Titans defense.
1: I think I'm going to go with the Titans. I I I think that would be where I lean. Yeah, I I think this Titans team (sighs) is like not that bad. (sighs) Wow. I I have a lot of faith in Ryan Tannehill, believe it or not. Um, And I don't know if this Tennessee front against Derek Carr... He looked a little not so good last year. I he don't looked
0: know. Good pre- He looked on like his one drive in the preseason. <laughs> uh, okay. I'm kind of high on the Saints, so. Uh, Jags, Colts. This one, Jags. Uh, one thing I do want to see in this one, though, from the Jags, who are favored by five, is uh, if, like this, you know, Anthony Richardson is obviously untested. Colts uh, receiving group is rather lackluster. I want to see if the Jags pass rush looks better. Um, Colts offensive line, major problem last season. Um, I do think they're going to play better this year. I think playing with Richardson will also help in that regard. But, you know, the biggest question I have about this Jags team is the pass rush. So I think that for me, that's what I want to see out of this week one game for me to be like a true Jags believer.
1: Yeah, I'm 100 percent with you. And like they didn't do all that much to add to it. So like they really just need better play from the guys they already had. I'm still going Jags though, of course
0: the Vikings are favored by six against the bucks. I am taking the Vikings. Um, put the Vikings defense on the list of one of the, I just want to see it. <laughs> this Season. I just want to see it. Like uh, it's a Brian Flores coach defense, massive schematic change. Uh, major question marks about this secondary and their ability to execute that change. So I would like to see it. Uh, and because I, I am confident in this Vikings offense.
1: I also want to see it because they have a Brian Flores defense and not a lot of Brian Flores defenders. So uh, <laughs> we'll, we'll still take Vikings here because they're playing Baker Mayfield. But yeah.
0: Washington is favored by seven against the Arizona Tankenals. Did you see Caleb Williams' dad say today he might go back to college? I'm like, dog, Arizona might be picking next the following year. So you can't, That's the you thing. Can't, like- you can't keep hiding from them.
1: Yeah. yeah, I don't think he's going to be able to outrun the Cardinals or whoever is <laughs> first overall again. He's probably not going to be a whole lot better. So, uh,
0: Atlanta against Carolina. Atlanta's favorite by three and a half. This got a lot easier for me with the Bryce Burns holdout. Um, but I am interested in seeing uh, if this, because the Falcons defense is incorporating a ton of new players, new defensive coordinator. I want to see if, as they should, can they give Bryce Young in this offensive line in particular problem. So that I think is going to be a, a good test for them week one, or a good you know, litmus test, rather.
1: Yeah, I'm taking Atlanta. I really want to see if the Falcons' pass rush is any better, but yeah, we'll, we'll see. It's a good opportunity to do it.
0: Ravens favored by 10 against Houston. Taking Baltimore. Cannot wait to watch the all-22 of this Ravens offense. Give, just and, and maybe all the hype will be absolutely burst week one because the thing isn't ready and i think that the houston defensive line is sneaky decent they have some fun players D'Amico ryan's is a very good coach so this could be a big like oh my god were we all hyping the ravens too much this season but i kind of think it's gonna look sick so we'll see Mm
1: -hmm.
0: uh okay we talked about these eagles okay uh (laughs) Seahawks favor by five and a half against the Rams. I am taking Seattle. Cooper Cup is not playing. Some Seahawks defenders are missing, but uh, yeah, you've seen the Rams roster.
1: Yeah, I think even if Cooper Cup was playing, this is still not a very hard one to pick.
0: I do think that uh, the Rams will. One thing I am interested in watching, you alluded to this, is whether the Seahawks have fixed their run defense problems at all. Um, Because I do think the Rams are. I don't think they're going to be a very good run team, but I think I looked this up recently. Two of their. Three best performances running the football were against Seattle last year. So, oh god, <laughs> uh, we already did Miami Chargers. Oh god, just I'm just gonna figure that one out later. Uh, this is the final one. Denver three and a half against Vegas. <sighs> I'm taking Denver, but I don't feel great about it. I. I just really, really I, – I, I think that the, the Vegas offense will be actually decent, but I think the Vegas defense will be very bad. Also, what the hell is going on with Chandler Jones? I don't understand. It. <laughs> it's so confusing. I, they
1: wouldn't even let him in the building, which doesn't make sense because he's already been in the building. It's not like this is his 1st offset. I just
0: didn't – Are we sure? It's just, just like the key wasn't working and he got really upset. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's, it's a very confusing story. Uh, he has a history of showing up to – uh, uh, you can look that up okay uh (laughs) Dallas and then uh I guess oh god do I have to do Bills Jets here it is the final pick Derek I'm gonna take the Bills if they had Von Miller I would feel a hell of a lot better about it are you taking the Bills
1: I'm absolutely taking the Bills (laughs) I I mean I I still think this Bills pass rush is good enough against this Jets offensive line and like I'm I think the Jets will be fine, but I'm not like 100% there on the offense. So until they prove it. And and I think like Sean McDermott, for as I think vanilla as the defense has been, they've always been very well coached. And I think that kind of matters when you walk into week one. So I, I feel okay about the Bills.
0: Well, I will be discussing that game in depth on Tuesday with my recap show with Dominique Foxworth. Derek, this was so much fun. Guys, follow Derek's work. You can follow him on Twitter, QBClass with a K. Um, Yeah, and I hope he'll uh, join me sometime the rest of the season. Thanks for coming on, bud.
1: Glad to be back. Week (laughs) one.